0: We are going around the globe here, taking you all the way to Australia and talking to Ronsley Vaz, the CEO of Must Amplify, founder and chief product officer of We Are Podcast, which we are certainly going to get into, and also author of the book Amplify, all about helping folks use podcasting and other strategies to grow and boost their brand and their business. Ronsley, thank you so much for joining us here on Podcast Me Anything.
1: Matthew, such a pleasure. Thank you for doing this. I'm always very, very grateful for any hosts having me on this show because as a host, I know what goes into the other sides of this conversation. So thank you so much for having me.
0: It is our pleasure. And thank you, by the way, for some of the content that you guys have been putting out. I was able to catch some of the piece that you guys did on podcast funnels, which I think is a great place to start. I mean, Basically, it seems like your whole brand, right? Everything you do is really about helping folks use podcasting for their business. So real quickly, just take us through, like, how did this become your persona, right? Like, why are you doing this stuff?
1: Yeah, you know, they say that your, your uh, biggest gift lies next to your deepest pain. So it feels, you know, I, growing up, feels like every time I opened my mouth, I was misunderstood probably can always connect this dots looking backwards is a famous quote i think and and, and make sense of everything and it sounds like a great story but i promise you it was just putting one foot in front of the other and like going after opportunities that were presenting itself and sometimes i didn't sometimes i did sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't and just sort of enjoying the journey i suppose so i have done so many different things to answer your question i'm a I've got two master's degrees. I was software engineered by trade because you know I'm Indian. That's how we figure out what to do the rest of our life. We first do IT, and did an MBA. So I did a master's of business in administration. I was running like I wrote a thesis on process quality, and I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. However, this company paid for an MBA that sort of opened a business brain inside me, and I decided that my first business was going to be a restaurant because everyone keeps telling me how good my food is. So I was like, why not? In that process, I did financial advising for a couple of years. I could build up enough money to start this thing. Started the thing. Four years later, the restaurant shuts overnight. I have half a million in debt. I learned to be an entrepreneur. This is seven years ago when that happened. And then I built Uber for chefing. I had chefs that would go to people's homes and cook for them, uh, their whole weekly meals and put them in in their fridge. And to promote that, I started a podcast and the podcast was called Bond Appetite. Now that podcast back in the day, seven years ago, got onto the iTunes banner section and got like a million listeners in like, I don't know, four and a half months. And then everyone kept saying, hey, help me start a podcast. And I'm like, here's my Evernote folder. You know, I'm a chef. It's crazy, because I said I was a chef, because by, by that time, I was a software engineer, I'd done a whole bunch of different things. But at, at that point, I suppose I was, I was living the chef persona. So I'm a chef, I'm not. Um... And then someone really said to me, is like, if you charged, and I had this debt, right, I would said this debt to pay down. So it's like, someone said, I'm gonna I'd pay you money if you taught me how to do this for my business. So I created a training program. It was like eight seats. Two of them were like one-on-one, charged five and a half grand or something. And then six of them were in a group setting and I charged them like two and a half grand. And in a week, I had like 30 grand in my account. And I was like, wait, what? I hadn't created the course yet. And I was like, oh, wow. Let me start teaching people how to do this. So I did that and paid my debt down. I just kept paying that debt down. And one thing led to another. I started the first podcasting conference in Australia in 2015. Following that, I started the first agency, do this kind of stuff in 2016, and then partnered with Amazon in 2017 and wrote the book. It's just been one thing after the other. TEDx Talk became a TED Talk in 2020. So it's been, I don't know, it's crazy, the journey. And now that I get to relive it by you asking me that question, it was a huge pleasure. So thank you. (laughs)
0: it's funny we have very similar paths because I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur nor did I even ever think of myself as a business person but one of my first early jobs I got to work for a major business media organization and I was also producing podcasts for them right like the the job was this but it's like you're also going to do podcasts and when I when they let us all go and I was trying to figure out where's my next job going to be I got people asking me, like, hey, we enjoyed those podcasts. Like, you know, we miss them. Can we do podcasts? I was like, sure, we'll figure that out together, right? And like, and you just do. And then the next thing you know, you turn around and you say, and now I'm an entrepreneur. So it's a little similar, although I did not cook that well. I actually first learned to start cooking recently. Uh, (laughs) So let's talk about some of the event stuff. So you have the conference in Australia, and now you bring the We Are Podcast brand to the States you had big plans for this year, and obviously the world changed on all of us a little bit, but you guys pivoted and you're doing some virtual stuff. So tell us what's going on with We Are Podcast and what are some of the events that we should be looking forward to this year?
1: Yeah, you know what? Like, I've sort of got three businesses that I built over the Amplify the Agency, became a million dollar business in like, you know, seven, eight months. And there were some years that one of the businesses would do well, the others wouldn't. And it was just, just balancing acts. And one of the businesses is We Are Podcasts. Obviously, it's a it used to be an annual event that I'd bring my friends from all over the planet to Australia and we would do it once a year and we'd run a speaker retreat at the end of that. So Jordan Harbinger has been coming since 2016 to Australia. Pat Flynn's been here. John Lee has been here and we've run the speaker retreat, basically bringing all these people together. And that was, it was not monetized past that point. It was just a thing. So my friends could come to Australia and we could hang out and I'd run an event as a result of that. So This year, we were going to run Brisbane and what happened was, you know, COVID happened and I was in Orlando and I sent all the speakers a a video saying, don't worry, it's going to go ahead. This is fine. And then got to New York, working out of the VaynerMedia offices, watched, uh, you know, New York get hit first and watched how even Gary dealt with going 1,200 people going virtual pretty much overnight, Thursday to Friday it was clear that there was something big going on. And I think just through my history, I started to realize that my best gift is give me a constrained box and a whole bunch of problems to solve. And I'm happy, that's my thing. The goal was like, how can you now recreate the connection that people were obviously lacking from the lack of actually you know, connecting with each other? So how could we create that? And that's how we are podcast, How Sessions was born this year. And then at the back end of that, we are members. So we've got 10, sorry, 20 foundation members that we started this month called We Are Members. And the sole aim is how do you make money using podcasting? Why is it a taboo subject and how can you sell? How can you make your art sustainable? How can you create better? How can you make this thing an art where it is actually returning on investment, returning on time, returning on scalability and it's being done right. It's been quite a journey for We Are Podcast, and that's where we're at right now, I suppose.
0: Without giving away too much, obviously, right? We want people to check out the sessions. We want people to join the membership group. But what are you finding is the, the like, I don't want to say the secret sauce because that's so corny, but, like, what do you think is the the mindset that someone needs to have before they even launch? Right, well, like you get a lot of people probably who come to you say, "Hey, I've got a podcast. How do I turn it into money?" Or I'm thinking about a podcast, but I don't want to lose money on it. But like before all of that, like what do you look for in a potential client that says to you, "Like this guy's got it, or this girl's got it, or, this woman's got it"? Like I want them to succeed, right? What do you look for in that person?
1: Well, the two different audiences for us. So when it comes to agency and the client, because I work so closely with that person, because we create art for their brand, that's a different sort of person. And in that case, I just kind of go, well, they're going to be successful with or without me. I'm just an accelerant. And that's what I'm looking for in that kind of person. When it comes to We Are Podcast, I'm just trying to be able to allow people to stretch the imagination. And when they're starting to start a podcast, especially for a business and brand, for them to understand that there are reps that are involved in the process. And part of doing the reps is you become a better podcaster, you better be- become a better business person, you be- become a better entrepreneur, you become a better brand. And it's about the journey. And to answer your point specifically, I think our audience in general are the ones that are looking to learn rather than the ones that are looking to teach they don't see themselves as gurus. They're looking to learn. They're looking to be part of the journey. They're looking They're looking to be a student of their game. And that's a big difference, I think.
0: I'm so glad you said it that way. I noticed that my most successful clients are the same way, that they are, I always say they come with this voracious curiosity, right? Like you don't have to be the expert as long as you want to learn. Because if you're in this podcast learning the audience is learning with you and that's a more enjoyable experience than being lectured at or being, you know, talked down to by so many people who I think get in the space thinking, well, I'm the best, so I'll have a podcast, right? I'm like, why didn't it work? It also comes from this mindset. I saw somebody, they wrote it perfectly. They said, you know, don't convince people to like what you do. Create something that people will like. And do you find that people still struggle with that, that they assume everyone's going to like what they do versus figuring out what people will like?
1: I think in general, we see everyone's highlight reel, right? On social media. So we don't actually see all the back end stuff that happens. We just assume that we're supposed to miss steps. We assume that it's, that's how it goes down, but it very rarely does. To answer your question, I think what happens is we get, we ask about the tactics because that's the only bike we know the ride that we only know how do we get, you know, a sponsor on our show or what mic do I buy is the questions that come to mind first. And I think what's super important is to kind of look at it as, you know, a university degree, like you don't go into a university degree thinking it's going to be the 10 steps to a bachelor's in arts even. So it's like a, a process where in the first year you learn a bunch of subjects where you can in the second year build on that learning. And I think I believe that you get the podcasting, if you get it from that angle, you can kind of start creating some really cool content that people want to consume. But if I break it down, it's about three things, getting attention, getting engagement, and getting sales. And the podcast is such a great vehicle for getting engagement that you know that that is being taken care of. So if you focus on my podcast keeps these people engaged for... X amount of time, X times a week or X times a month, and then I have to work out how do I get attention to that podcast, and then how do I convert that engagement into sales? Does that make sense?
0: Uh, no, uh, absolutely. You know the one piece of it that I'm curious about, right? So many of us we think engagement is what happens after the listen, right? Like for you, you're saying engagement is like somebody sitting there and listening to me, like they are engaging with me. I don't see them, feel them, touch them, right? And it's it's weird because we are podcasting and avoid, right? Like you and I are just talking to each other. There's no one else around, but at some point someone's going to listen to And that is an engagement. My curiosity then is how do we get that engagement reciprocated, right? How do you encourage the comments, the shares, the reviews, which are not that important, but people make a big deal about them, right? Like how do you turn a listener, an engaged listener into an engaged fan or advocate or, or however you want to describe that person?
1: That's a great question because that's the next bit. So once they're, in, they're, they're engaged, it's like, so that's the get sales part, right? So people think get sales, oh, I got to sell something. No, it's just the next step. Like what they'll listen for a while. Like how do you use that in some way you've got to use that, whether it is, you know, sponsors that want these people's attention, whether it is, you get these people's attention into a sales conversation, whether you give them an upsell, I don't care. Whatever it is, you're creating the the next step. When someone has to like go from engaged to the next step, there are two things. And we only usually think about one. We think about call to action. So we usually always think call to action, call to action, call to action, but there's a call to engagement. Once you have an engaged audience, you can call them to action or call them to engagement, right? So what is a call to engagement is what you said earlier. Like you considered that to be the definition of engagement. That's exactly what I mean. It's like, okay, they're engaged. How can you get them to do something where they are doing it? So they've actually gotten better. They've improved their life as a result of whatever they've done, right? It's an, a call to engagement or a call to get them to do something, something to better themselves, to give themselves whatever the next step is, right? And then there's the call to action, which is like, hey, could you do this?
0: Email us, fill out this form, tweet us, like this, share this, right? All that. I like that. Call to engagement. That's a great way to think about it. And I'm going to definitely sit on that and and think about that some more and and figure out a way how to incorporate that without totally stealing it, although I'm probably going to steal just a little bit.
1: No, please do it because it's not mine. Nothing that I do, or nothing you do, nothing anyone does is actually original. It's just, it's just like something. It's been inspired by something, and radio has been doing that for ages, right? Radio has been asking people for call to engagement, call in. Can you call in and tell me this? How can you, how can you call them to engagement where you can recreate the content that goes into the creation?
0: Well, and I think you also sort of alluded to so many new podcasters when I talked to. Podcasters, you look at their social media, you look at their marketing, and it's always, right? We have a new show. Check us out. Subscribe here. And what they're doing is they are asking the audience to do something for them. And you were, you said this in a different way, but I think you were alluding to the idea. It's like, don't ask the audience to do something for you. Let the audience know what you are going to do for them if they will trade that time to listen and engage with you. And I think that's the thing that good podcasters do well is they provide value and they frame their value clearly versus asking people to check them out.
1: Right. Because then it, it only becomes about them. It, it's like they feel like they're doing this big service by creating this piece of work, which actually isn't. And it's, you can see right through it because it's surprising because we all do it. I mean, I've done it and I don't want to like, you know point fingers and think that I'm, I, and everyone, everyone thinks that I'm the saint. I'm not. I, it's, it comes from awareness where you look at that and go, well, that's not necessarily a good way to do it. So I think that they're the commercial kind of people that only think about ROI and they just want to call to action and convert. How does the thing convert? And there's the creative people who actually want the audience to be engaged and have this effect and you know, create art. And it's just that they both have to come together and and exist.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, it definitely comes back again to your motivations for doing this. I also wanted to ask you about, you know, monetizing. I actually got this question. So I did a panel for PodFest, the, the Global Summit one, the virtual one that Chris put on recently. And I did a thing on monetizing and all the ways you can monetize beyond the ad. And somebody asked me an interesting question, which was like, what's your favorite way to monetize? And I didn't really... Like that was an interesting question, but I'm going to turn that over to you. When you work with your clients or even within your own brand, like what is your favorite way to monetize? And without, I I know you don't like to think of your, the people that you work with as just clients or customers or dollar signs, but right, like, what is your favorite way to engage and create a financial relationship?
1: I think I see the platform, right? I see it about a voice. I see about someone's gift being shown to a bunch of people that care about that, right? You can have the most engaging piece of content, but if the wrong people listen to it it might never get the engagement it needs. So I believe that when they create this platform, it's all about the brand that they create around them and the effect that that has. For example, you suddenly get to meet a whole bunch of people and there's relationship ROI. Like the, the most common question I get asked is, honestly, can you introduce me to someone? And, and the most common thing I have to navigate is how do I say, no, I can't. There's only so much, so many introductions that I can do. There's only so many times that I can do this. So it's really fascinating how, when you create a platform There's all these different ways that you can monetize it. But if you look at it as a brand, this is my platform. This is what I stand for. This is what I care about. As a result, this is the change I want to affect. And then there are so many different things that can be done because then you can bring partnerships to the table, sponsorships to the table, products to the table, content, uh, collaborations, new series. like There's so many things that can spawn from there. But if it's not built on solid foundation, which is usually because tools are easily available, like marketing foundations are missed, I think people seem to don't think that it matters, but it's the basis for all perception.
0: Truly absorbing everything you're saying and thinking about where I'm falling short, I am always so quick to attach myself to the platform, the technology, and... I sometimes forget that really monetizing, marketing, all of that engagement starts with relationship. And if you're not committed to building a relationship with your audience, you're not going to get anywhere. And and I should know better because I always coach my clients to say like, if you wouldn't do this podcast for just one other person, don't bother doing it. And when you get that one person, like treat that one person like they're the most important person, listener, fam- whatever they are in the world. And, you know, I, I think you have highlighted that well, that it's not marketing, it's relationship building. It's community building, as we probably say very often.
1: Relationship building seems to even to be like about, you know, the flip of the networking, but it's actually about the empathy. Like, you know, it's about meeting the person. Like, if you think about, man, I've got some, I've met some amazing people doing this thing. Man, I, you know, and I've, and I've done different industries and I've been, see, I've seen different lives. And, you know, the amount of people that I meet that are so different and so the same is so beautiful. Like, and I think that for me, as an introvert, is the best thing that I can get a connect like this, you know, with someone and have the conversation, and someone else finds that useful. And then I just honed my craft, I suppose. It's just a good field to be in, I think. So, yeah.
0: So let's talk about that field. We obviously, things changed dramatically at the beginning of this year with the outbreak of the pandemic when it first hit. Podcast listening took a little bit of a dive. Seems to have recovered. It seems to have not slowed down the creation of new podcasts. And I think there, you know, as many people would say, like if this is a baseball game, like we're probably still in like the second or third inning of podcasting. So I'm curious both how you think you know the pandemic is going to impact in the short term but more importantly like what are some of the long term trends that you are thinking about planning for right like or looking or looking to create yourself since you seem to you know pioneer so much stuff.
1: Thank you for saying that because you know I I do look at some of the things that I that I make and go I don't know how that came out and when did that And when did that... Yeah, so it's just sometimes it's fascinating the creation of things, but I'm so lucky that I get a chance to work with some amazing humans, you know, actors, politicians, someone like being in vain in media and looking how that all goes down. Like it's just luck to be able to see a lot of things going on. So the things that I'm seeing is I don't think we've even... I think we're in the first. We're probably bottom of the first when it comes to, you know, podcasting. When you think about how much blogging has matured, how much video has matured, how much images have matured. Just look at some other content as trends, and then look at some trends that are happening right now that's accelerating the adoption of new technology or new ways of consumption, right? So, there was a time where any blog would do. And now, you know, every business starting first thinks about the web- website and the blog. It's the first thing that everyone thinks about. Video, you think about that. It used to be just anyone in their thing. Now lighting and such, all these little things are becoming quite normal. You think about podcasting, you know, how it started. And then you add the adoption of podcasting. You add the idea that it's the only form of content that someone can consume while they're doing other things. And you go, wait. And then you add on top of that, that we've been talking to children even before they're in, in womb because they got connected with voice, right? We've been telling stories from the beginning of time. You add culture on top of this. Like you add actual culture that I go back generations and generations that have followed all these passing on of stories and you say, well, of course, audio is just at the bottom of the first, like, it's not like, think about, think about how we get to a dinner now and take a selfie. That's how we interact with images. We've not even gotten to the point to interact with audio in that way. When it's so easy, we do it every single day. Think of all that adoption. You know, we are so lucky, Matthew, that we started this early because I have nothing But good things to say about where the industry is going, because we are so lucky to be involved at the start, because in a couple of years, all of us are just going to be the gurus.
0: Any particular trends or anything for a business hearing this that they should think about as they're getting started?
1: Yeah. When you think about brand, you go and get your colors, your logos, your fonts, because you want to see how your brand looks and feels. Now it is super important more than ever to think about how your brand sounds and how you add voice to that brand. So not only look and feel, voice is becoming super important because if someone can hear your brand from you before they consume your brand from anyone else, wouldn't you want that to happen? And if you do get... Famous, or you have something that happens and something huge happens and you have this catalog of voice, wouldn't you want someone to come and find that catalog so they can listen to you and hear you and be engaged with you for so long? So I would ask people to think, how can I create a platform where I can keep people here for as long as possible? Not where can I take them afterwards Worry about that later.
0: Well, and real quickly, so we've got the We Are podcast house session coming up in November. What can we look forward to there?
1: We're focusing all around getting attention, getting engagement, getting sales. How can people make money using their podcasts? How to use the podcast in the best way to grow themselves, their brands? And as always, I think uh, We Are podcast has been good at connecting people, but also bringing some what I consider the Avengers of podcasting and business together in speaker lineup. And it's in—it's not a virtual conference. It's more in, it's a, it's a live training. and You get, you're in it, you're doing stuff. We want you to go away, not with more content, but we want you to go away with more done because there's enough content available for everyone. So that's coming up. We have got a product accelerator coming up as well. So if you're a podcaster that wants to start, wants to create a, Online product. We have a six-week product accelerator coming up next month. But yeah, all that can be found at like wearepodcast.com dot com.
0: Well, we'll put a link to We Are Podcast. We'll put a link to the House Sessions in particular. We'll find a link to the accelerator and to the We Are Members. Uh, so if you're hearing this and want to be a part of that experience, we'll have links. We'll make it easy. It'll all be in the show notes. Which of the Avengers are you, by the way, in that group that's uh, all coming together? I'm just curious.
1: That's a good question. I, I sometimes. I wonder whether I'm Hawkeye or or Fury, but I'm one of the two, so. All
0: right, well, no patch, so, and you got the hair. Like, I could definitely see the Hawkeye look going there, so that's a good one. All right, well, we've been chatting with Ronsley Vaz. He's the CEO of Must Amplify. He's the founder and chief product officer of We Are Podcast. He's the author of a book, Amplify, and you'll find a link to all of this in the show notes. And he's also the host of the Should I Start a Podcast. And is Boned Appetite still going?
1: Bon appetite isn't, but I'm actually uh, the executive producer of Psychology of Entrepreneurship, which is an audio documentary on the psychology of entrepreneurs' decisions. That is something you should check out because over 40 hours of work goes into each of those volumes. so.
0: So folks, after you listen to this, you are going to have a lot of work and a lot of homework to do just to catch up with all the cool things that Ronsley has been doing. Ronsley, it has been a delight. Thank you so much for joining us here on Podcast Me Anything.
1: Matthew, this is the little slice of heaven. This is awesome. Thank you so
0: much.